Welcome to the Converge One Tech Exchange, a podcast series that connects the technology community with top of mind insights that you can put into action. Converge One believes that leveraging technology to connect people with purpose is vital to achieve business outcomes. Please join our discussion and together, let's shape the future of the technology landscape in cloud, digital infrastructure, security, collaboration, customer experience, and beyond. Let's get our geek on. Yeah, calf. It's on. Welcome to Converge One Tech Exchange. Um, this uh, this music is setting the stage for us, calf. Our topic today is got something to do with security. But our theme is mm. a little CSI. Hey, Cap, did you know? Have, have you ever watched CSI? I have. One of my favorite yeah, so, shows. So CSI, it originally came out in 2000. It ran until 2016. It was in, then they did Miami, right? CSI Miami. That was 2002 to 2012. Then it was, they did New York, 2004 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, they did a cyber show. It only ran for two seasons, but good for our podcast today is cyber was 15 to 16. And then the newest one, which is coming out here soon, is Vegas. 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 CSI Vegas. Nearly 800 episodes to date. 200 territories with an audience globally of 2 billion. Cap. Billion. Wow. Wow. I guess they dubbed in other languages, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was, yeah. Um, the show was created by Anthony Zucker and um, uh, the great Jerry Bruckheimer. I don't know if you know Jerry, but mm-hmm. he's like a maverick. I mean, don't get me started. Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, Days of Thunder, Remember the Titans, Pirates of the Caribbean, and CSI. The man's a, 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 a wow. legend. Um, mm-hmm. And back in 2012, Kath, my final factoid on this, CSI was named the most watched show in the world for the fifth time in a row. I'm not surprised. It's insane. But I digress, everybody. My name is Brett Lathrop. I'm your co-host. And I am Kathy Sobas. Thanks to all the crew who help us with logistics in this uh, show creation and, of course, our content, which is inspired by our colleagues and the industry mavericks who dare to question convention and fear no labor. The website is ConvergeOne.com. We're also on LinkedIn. You can find us on a YouTube channel for Converge One. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can find me at Twitter on at Brett Lathrop. And I'm at Kathy Sobas. Fantastic. We have a great show for you today. Topic today is CSI, Anatomy of a Security Hack. And we have special guests. But Actually, first, we have guest, to do Kathy, shout outs. Excuse me. That's yeah, right, shout outs. I wouldn't ever forget yeah, you, Kathy. Don't, don't worry. Shouts. I'm worried you're going to forget <laughs> me. We stand on the I shoulders of giants and we have two shout outs Brian Krebs, whom we've shouted out before, and Kevin Mitnick, uh, 
one of the most well-known hackers and the CEO of KnowBefore. He was on the FBI's most wanted list because he hacked into 40 major corporations just for fun. In the <laughs> mid-90s, he was the world's most wanted hacker. And since 2000, he has been a successful security consultant, public speaker, and author. Mitnick is a teacher of social engineering, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today. And he's also a writer of a couple of books. One of them, Ghost in the Wires, My Adventures as the World's Most Wanted Hacker, was a New York Times bestseller. Kath, those are great shouts. Well done. Aren't they? Thank you. Oh, my you. goodness. Yeah, Krebs shouts again and uh, and our hacker guy. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, Kevin um, mm -hmm. Who is our special guest? Do you want to know who our guest is today, Brett? I do. Who is it? Do you want to know who our guest is today, Brett? Yes, please, Kath. Give me your guest. Give okay. us the guest. Uh, it's great to have Chris Ripke with us today. He's the Senior Director of Cybersecurity at Converge One. Chris has over 20 years of experience in the IT industry. He is currently the National Practice Leader of Converge One's Cybersecurity Practice, one of the top 10 Cisco security partners in the United States. Chris has been with Converge One for 10 years and has an extensive background in Cisco products and services with expertise in design and implementation. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Brett and Kathy. Appreciate it. Chris, welcome. That was awesome. Okay, so first of all, Kathy, Chris has a name for TV and cybersecurity hero status. I'm just saying, Ripke, Ripke. It sounds like it's right. its own tech. It's like, hey, uh, did you get the new Ripke 5000? It's amazing. <laughs> I know it, it totally does. I wonder if he's ever heard that before. All right, Christopher. Um, I, I had, there have been numerous uh, uh, plays on my name over the years, right? This will be, this is not the last one. So I appreciate <laughs> that, Brett. Fantastic. All right. So I'm looking forward to absorb this because I just can't get enough of learning about this. Let's start off with uh, in our CSI kind of theme, anatomy of a hack, right? Let's demystify pieces of that for us so that we can get everybody kind of grounded. Sure. So the, one of the biggest thing, kind of misnomers about hacking is, is that a lot of people think that, you know, when, when, a, when a business or a, personal person, a person gets hacked, they, they, a lot of times is they think it just happens instantaneously. Like you, you click on a piece of malware, you've got ransomware, everything is encrypted, I can't do anything, and then we've got to execute a plan. But one of the things that, that, that I think a lot of people and, and corporations really, really don't understand is that when from a hacking perspective, these the these cyber attackers, what they do is they do surveillance for an extended period of time. So what they do is they just wait and say, let's say, okay, Microsoft releases a, a list of known vulnerabilities, like, and they just released forty this this Tuesday for patch, you know, patch Wednesday, <clears throat> the, the forty known known vulnerabilities that come out. So what the hackers do is they they go out and they just run scans on those vulnerabilities because the vulnerability documentation that gets presented to the end user, the corporations, is it basically gives them a how-to on how to actually exploit that. 
So what they do is they just they just literally just sit and wait. They run their scans and they say, okay, you know, this is this is open SSH uh, port. So okay, there's these known vulnerabilities that exist on, it, and they just wait. They just sit and wait for the customers to um, not patch it. And what they do is then 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 they then they exploit that vulnerability that exists within the environment. <clears throat> so once they get their initial payload and they exploit it and they get access to the environment. They, they do some more waiting because what happens is, is, you know, when you talk about CSI and, and you talk about things like, you know, trap setting, you know, you don't, you, you try to make sure that you're not too noisy with you when you have a trap, because mm. anytime you're creating noise in an environment, security professionals are trained to, to listen to that and to respond to that really quickly. So what they do is they just sit and wait some more. And then when they feel like the time is right, they will actually deploy the piece of malware that exploits other vulnerabilities that exist within the network because they're also sitting and waiting, but they're also seeing what they have access to as part of, you know, as part of the environment. So they're not they're not creating a bunch of noise. But once they deploy that malware, the malware that gets sent to folks like end users, other other assets within the organization, and once it's detonated, you know, things like you know encryption happens with with the affected files and services that exist on the PC and 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 this is where where a lot of corporations really get into trouble because one of the things that happens there is without an effective security program one of the biggest things is they don't know how to respond so they panic right and 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 or people don't don't uh really uh really let others know that there there's an attack ongoing you know they they have they they notice some anomaly that is existing in their environment and they really they don't disclose that to anyone so you know, if if they don't do that, then you know time is of the essence at this point. So there there's just a lot that that goes into this. But I mean, there's there we can we can talk a lot about you know having a great response plan. That's something that we we definitely you know consult with our customers on. But 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 once the malware exists, you know things that we've seen in environments today. So once the once the file the ransomware encrypts the files, what we've noticed is you know over the years they they've just you know they've encrypted the files and what 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 the what the cyber attackers do is just say, hey, pay this ransom in Bitcoin and we'll unlock your files. And now what we're seeing is, you know, um, you know, double encryption or, or double, you know, double ransoms. And the double ransoms is, OK, not only are we going to you're going to have to pay to unencrypt your files, but you're also going to have to pay so we don't release your data on the dark web. Right. So oh, that's that's web. another. Yeah, the dark web. That's another, <laughs> that's another one, right? I mean, what we're also seeing too is in environments is there's there's triple ransoms too. They're actually going. So let's say that you're a corporation and your your maintain your 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 data gets exfiltrated, but it's customer data, right? So mm -hmm. let's say that you you provide a product and a service for for your customers. They are actually going after the customers of these businesses to say, hey. We got your data from, you know, and through do a hack for ABC Corporation. Um, mm. You know, they they were they were they were not they didn't have a really good security practice. We got your inf information. Please pay us, or we're going to release that, you know, to the public too. So we're seeing a lot of that. But the one major thing I want you to <clears throat> want you to take away from just from my answer on anatomy of a hack is these things take time, right? These 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 major hacks that occur. Yeah, we're seeing today from from businesses and you know corporations is they these 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 attackers aren't just you know really quick get in and get out. They they've had access to these environments for an extended period of time. 
Yeah, that's that's, frightening. Kathy, that's fascinating. That's, frightening. that's fascinating, Kath. Right? That's really helping me because even though it's an active word and everybody's like, oh, attack, attack, it's actually quite patient, Chris. It's <laughs> it's a bit methodical. It's it's also it's also what you're describing is multi-threaded, meaning they might be attacking you to not necessarily get you, but to get to who you can. Uh, who, who they have as you customers to to almost like we, two we call those six degrees of attacks too, right? Blockchain attack is that what it's called? Is that what you said? No, supply chain attacks. Yeah, oh, supply chain. If, okay. If you're like the so Solar Winds attack was a was a definitely a major one that you know they were able gotcha, to right to infiltrate that 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 company's infrastructure and then you know when their vendors uh, got updates from Solar Winds they were infected too so it spread like wildfire. You know, I think about the panic, too, when there's discovery here. I think, Chris, you were saying, you know, and then they panic, but they don't tell anyone. Are they trying to fix it? You know, like almost like uh, children, you know, spilled something in the corner. They're trying to clean it up, right, <laughs> right. before anybody notices. Yeah, like, don't worry, mom won't see it, right? Exactly. So the, right. But no, what what they're trying to do, I think, more than anything is they, they, you know, either we haven't trained them efficiently to respond or they're just embarrassed. Um, and they have to get over it, right? Or they're just fear of what the repercussions might be from from an organization, right. and, and that's mm. and that that you know a lot of the the mental aspect goes into it, and we probably don't talk a lot about that. But there's you know the 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 end user is is plays an important role in in any effective security program. Yeah. Well, you know, I read somewhere where uh, people target email too. You know, you were you were talking about setting traps here, but. Tell me a little bit about email. Uh, is that a source of contention here as well? It, it is. Yeah, it's one. It's the, probably the num most 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 targeted attack vector. When we talk about attack vectors, these are avenues that cyber attackers use to gain access to an environment. So, um, email's the the most widely used attack vector. It's because you're targeting the end user. You're you're doing things. You know, you're targeting um, someone that's not really fluent in cybersecurity or how to do, how to what how to determine whether an email is actually from a cyber attacker or not right so that's that we're using you're you're preying on the social aspect of them so them saying like hey you won you want a gift card or you won you know here's it doesn't matter what it is right the 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 goal is for them to entice the end user to click on the attachment and once they do that you know, it, 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 the game's over at that point, right? Unless they, unless you have really good tools on on the workstation, you know, for most businesses have really good tools to help prevent that. But if you're, you know, it, for, for a lot of folks that are in, in, you know, from a, from that are outside the corporation and using their own personal computers, you know, having really good antivirus and, and next generation heuristics based, um, you know, <clears throat> anti-malware products are a really good way of catching these things if you go and, and you click on a piece of, of malware as part of an email that you didn't realize it, right? So that's, um, you know, that that's why email's targeted, you know? So hmm. a lot of corporations are doing what's known as security awareness training. And, and you know, we, you had, we, we had a shout out to Kevin Mitnick because he was the, he was one of the co-creators of Know Before and they're a, uh, they're an email, you know, phishing simulation. And what we mean by that is that, they will actually send out simulated emails to end users to really educate them on what what a what a a, a piece you know a bad actor might send them what mm. the difference is between a legitimate email and a non-legitimate email so mm. the the good thing about it is is if that you actually you, you you get an end user to click on it um, what it's going to do is it's going to they will have to go through remedial training but 
to, to really show them, it'll really dive deeper into really showcase kind of really what what's legitimate, what's not legitimate. But the good thing about that is there's no impact to the business at that point, and you're continuing education. And that's why we talk when we consult with our customers. You know, Converge One, we just went through our security awareness training on a yearly basis, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Having yearly, getting in front of your end users and really training them to uh, around the corporate policies and procedures, and 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 really continuing to drive home with them, you know, hey, hey, this is what we don't want to do. These are what what our corporate assets are, are going to be used for. And, and really continuing to train them on what legitimate emails look like and, and, and what non-legitimate emails, because it's it's really targeting the end user because it really is. And, and I don't I'm not saying everyone's, you know, a weak link in the chain, but 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 a lot of times they are they are the least trained employees as part of a security program, and that's why they get targeted a lot. That's why email is a mm-hmm. very 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 widely used uh, attack vector. Yeah, that but makes, from an that anatomy makes... standpoint, oops, sorry, oh, Brett. From an anatomy okay. standpoint, it, have we started with buying a list off the dark web, and that's how we begin to target the emails, or does it start somewhere else? It's I, I think so. Your your comment is is it can start anywhere. Right. But a lot of it in regards, you know, a lot of them will will get spam lists from, um, you know, from businesses, whether it's third party. I mean, they're not supposed to get those, but they'll come up. They'll have legitimate emails from from marketing people. Right. So it um, a lot of times what, what you get is you get people that are using social media as an angle too. Um, you know, let's say that like LinkedIn is a really good one, you know, that, you know, cyber attackers will go look at people's LinkedIn profiles. Um, Cisco did a really good video a couple of years ago about, they talked a little bit of anatomy and a hack, um, you know, from, from their perspective, but they were, tar- you know, as part of the video, they were targeting the, the CFO of this corporation. And what they did is they actually went through um, LinkedIn, gathered the, you know, the, the CFO, his email address, they targeted them with specific emails and payloads, and they were able to gain access to the environment. And then, you know, then ransomware hit and everything else. But, but what they do is they, they, they will get information from the dark web, but they also, in, in very specific targeted cyber attacks, they will, they will go um, and, and target specific individuals within an organization. So yeah, there's a lot of different avenues that they use to to target specific people. Yeah, that makes sense, Chris. Um, yeah, Kath, I like this. So you know, our criminal, um, our crimes, you know, scene investigation here is got us thinking about the fact that it's a, a it can be a long term process. They are patient. It could be multi threaded and multi stepped, and then it brings in social manipulation. Right? Email is a good one because. Anything that we do routinely that we hit all the time and we're fastly going through it. Well, gosh, if you got a bad actor, that's a great, I love these terminologies, by the way, Kath, attack vector, the <laughs> attack vector that they're, they're looking balanced. at is, <laughs> right. it, you know, and, and, and we're all guilty of this. We're human beings. We're cranking through stuff on the day to day. we got busy lives. we got busy businesses, right? And you're seeing all this stuff and then you just don't think about it. You click and boom, you've gotten maybe one little piece of the puzzle off to those, those bad boys. Uh, and right. girls, let's not be exclusive. I'm sure there's plenty of bad <laughs> hackers that are women as well. Um, and then, um, okay, so Chris, talk to me about some of the best approaches to reducing that risk and that cyber attack. I mean, obviously, we can't cover this whole this kind of topic in in a short period of time, but, but <laughs> it's a, it's let, a very let's, 
I mean, it's a, we're talking answer, complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't freak out their audience. We're not like going to solve world hunger security <laughs> issues in one 20 minute <laughs> podcast. But, um, you know, what, what's some kind of practical things about the approach to reducing risk in, in cyber attacks? So the, the one thing we kind of already hit on, right, is that educate your end users, train them on on security best practices. And, and a colleague once mine once uh, once told me is like if. If, if you get a piece of email and you don't trust who it's from, delete it. If it's important, they'll resend it or they'll follow up with you um, through right. another channel, right? So it's better for you to not click on the attachment than to click on it. But other you know, practical steps that we, that we really talk to our customers about is you know, the, this, this, this idea of vulnerability management. When we talk about that, it's, it's the idea of knowing what assets exist within your company, right? So understand, you know, do you have things like Windows 7 still laying around that's an unsupported operating system? Do you have those things still laying around in your environment? You know, how many Windows 2000 servers exist? Do we have, you know, understand what corporate assets are in your environment? And then once you determine you have a really good list of assets in your environment, um, you have to then understand what the vulnerabilities of those assets are, right? So we know Windows 7 is extremely vulnerable because they're not putting out patches anymore. I mean, if you have those in your environment, you may you may get hit with you know five year old vulnerabilities that exist because you can't patch those things, right? Mm. So all of those things really go into you know those are really quick practical ways of of really reducing the risk within within your corporate environment. I mean even the same you know, from a personal perspective too. The one of the best ways to do is continually run those annoying Windows updates all the time or Mac OS updates. All those things are designed to do is to patch vulnerabilities that exist within a within within some subset of software. And attackers won't. I mean, a lot of times attackers won't go through the the motions of creating zero day malware. Right, zero day piece of malware is something that there's known there's no known vulnerability that exists for it. What they'll do is they'll just exploit the vulnerabilities that exist, you know, at, you know, from from all the major manufacturers. We talked a little bit about that before, but patching and understanding what's in your environment are two of the best ways that you can reduce risk within your environment. Mm. Mm. Makes sense. Wow. So, yeah, it really does. And so, you know, beyond educating your end users, tell tell me a little bit about. You've got me very worried here, Chris, right? <laughs> That's not my intention. I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners are, are a little worried now, too. So what do we, what does somebody who do who's, like, worried about this? What's the practical application of what you're talking about here? So there, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things from, you know, from business's perspective. There's it, always taking a look at your security program in general, right? It, it's, security is always, is always evolving. It's never static. Right. So you have to understand what that looks like in your business. We, we talk about things, you know, let's say someone gets their credentials compromised. Right. We, we always talk about things like um, using multi-factor authentication, like products like like Cisco Duo, Microsoft Authenticator, or even from a personal perspective, a lot of your major accounts, things like iCloud accounts, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all those, they offer things called two-factor authentication. It's just another step to validate you are who you say you are. And that's what multi-factor does as well, right? So it's, if, if your password was to get compromised, it's going to, it's another step to validate your identity. And, and these are tied to things like, 
you know, specific like mobile apps so they could be tied to text messaging. Like, so the, the, the attackers would have to gain access to besides your password to things like your personal cell phone number or a, you know, a multi-factor authentication app. So these things help protect your accounts a lot, a lot more than just using a strong username and password because things that exist on the dark web. I mean, we partner with, with, we have one of our partners that actually has a, threat intelligence uh, solution that you can you can go out and look what data does exist for you you personally or your mm -hmm. company on the dark web so you have a really good understanding of what data is out there i mean we've consulted with a lot of customers and we've put their customers email domains in there and they'll they're shocked at the amount of data that comes back so things like you know multi-factor authentication things like continually evolving your security program and and doing things like if 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 you're in a business in a corporation, things like extending your disaster recovery plan to include things like recovering against a cyber attack. A lot of mm. customers don't really think about that. Um, you know, hey, what happens if we get hit with ransomware? They're all concerned about you know you know uh, natural disasters or 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 anything that may exist from that perspective, but they don't really take into consideration what happens in the event of a cyber attack. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Those plans should always, always uh, include, you know, recovering in the event of a cyber attack. And there's, yeah, yeah let me, I don't, don't want to boil the ocean. About, yeah, there's about a lot the of things plan. we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to ask you one more question about the plan because it's so easy to do a, you know, I say that in air quotes, to do a disaster recovery plan, right? Put up another location. We're going to route people. There, these people are going home. You can plan for that. But if somebody's coming to this fresher than that, you know, uh, what What are some of the elements in the plan? Like, how would somebody create a disaster recovery plan to against a cyber attack? Which, what, do you have three or four things that they should think about? I do, right? So know your assets, know your critical applications that you want to restore, right? So these aren't things just like, you know, I've got this one-off application. These are things critical to your business because if you get hit with a cyber attack, I mean, you may experience things like loss of revenue, unable to, unable to support your customers in a variety of different things. They could be things like making sure that you're, if you're a customer service customer, you want to make sure that your contact center is part of that um, from a, from a cyber, you know, cyber recovery perspective as well. Other things that we consult with our customers around that plan is. You know, when we define those critical assets and this, they're applications, they're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a bunch, of, it could be critical data to the environment too as well. It could be customer data, it could be a lot of things. We, we, we recommend that customers create, you know, have a recovery effort that is completely sandboxed from the environment. So let's say a piece of malware gets into the environment. We want to make sure that, that we, 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 we sell a lot of these things that are called cyber vaults. And what they do is they protect the critical data and keep it sandboxed from the rest of the network. Um, and, and it's part of our disaster recovery plan in, in the event of a cyber attack, because we know that that data is valid or um, you know, it's, it's, it's valid and up to date at any given time. And what that does is it helps, you know, it helps from an ease of use perspective. Once we have our critical assets, our critical applications, critical data, and it's protected, and we, we add that to our plan and how we want to restore from that perspective. You know, the, the next best thing is we tell customers to make sure that they're they're going through and running through, uh, you know, you know, do do tabletop exercises to incorporate that into the environment. Yeah, that, Wonderful. I mean, that makes. 
that makes sense, Kathy. I mean, having a basically a moment in time when that that bad malware doesn't exist in the data that's been sandboxed, and then you can kind of restore it to mm-hmm. that level and get go forward. I I love that concept. Um, and what I'm hearing here, Cap, too, and Chris, thank you so much for all that. Is um, boy, it's like it's like that game, Seven Degrees of, of Kevin Bacon separation, right? I mean, the the ways in which the investigation into this crime scene can be gone at, including Kathy using the social stuff of a contact center. You know, don't forget out there, listeners, your contact center might be getting hacked mainly just to get little pieces of data along the puzzle trail to then feed it into another part of their strategy. And so really thinking about it holistically, I think has to happen if you're truly going to be, you know, the, the getting into the CSI of this, I think. Right, Kath? Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's frightening, right? Cyber vaults and attack yeah. vectors and panic and... And the patients, right, laying in wait here, lying in wait. <laughs> I know. Yikes. Okay. I know. It's really good. <laughs> to it's think really about. good to think about that. I think it, well, it, instead of making it actually uncomfortable, it makes us prepare. It, it, you know, the best, just, you know, not allowing it to to um, overwhelm you because you know that's probably happening. So just, just you know that it's there. So good I think idea. that would be really empowering. Good advice. Well, the music means we have to go, um, but Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. That's the show. Thanks for listening. You're welcome. Appreciate the time. And thanks for all those likes and listens. The Converge One Tech Exchange podcast comes out regularly. Questions, comments, topic ideas. Please comment or contact us, and we'll engage. That was fun. It was. May the work you all do be animated with purpose. And thanks for stopping by. All right, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining the Converge One Tech Exchange. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send your request to techexchange at converge1.com. And please follow Converge One on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook for updates about new episodes.